Hi guys, and welcome to the Rare Wellness Podcast, the podcast designed to help you heal holistically and give you the tools that you need to thrive. We're making it easy to understand medicine and wellness with practical steps from the experts, one podcast at a time. The only thing we ask is that if this episode helps you live just a little bit better and more aligned, that you'll leave us a review and share it with a friend. That's all we ask so that we can continue to provide you free, valuable knowledge from the experts. Today, I am really excited. We're going to be having Dr. Kuffel on. She's a licensed clinical psychologist with a private practice in Spokane, Washington. She's a clinical assistant professor at the University of Washington School of Medicine Department of Psychiatry, where she supervises and teaches psychiatry residents and family medicine residents. She earned her PhD at Washington State University in Pullman and completed her predoctoral internship at the Seattle Veterans Affairs Medical Center. She has also completed a two-year postdoctorate fellowship working with Dr. Julia Hyman at the University of Washington Reproductive and Sexual Medicine Clinic, where she specialized in the research and treatment of sexual and relational difficulties. Even better, she's originally from Montana and she married her high school sweetheart. They have two teenage daughters and one small dog and they've been in Spokane since 2007. Hi, Dr. Kuffel, thank you so much for being on the podcast today. Hi, thank you so much for having me. Um, You have quite the impressive background and I am so excited to learn from you today. Um, thank you for making time to be on here. I'm really happy to be here and yeah. hope to have something useful to uh, share. <laughs> of course. So with Valentine's Day coming up, all of you Rare Wellness Podcast listeners, we wanted to make an episode that's relevant to what a lot of us are going through, talking about love and relationships and sex and navigating all of that can sometimes be really, really difficult. Uh, and even if you're single, stick around because there are tools that we're going to be talking about that are not just useful in romantic relationships, but can be applied in a multitude of areas and even with your own self. So we've got something for you too. Everyone's welcome. Stick around. So Dr. Kuffel, before we get started, I like to ask every guest that we have on the podcast, what does wellness mean to you? I love this question. I think it's just really a lovely question. And um, I've been giving this a little bit of thought. And I think how I would articulate what wellness is to me is balancing balancing my different needs. And so my needs for connection with other people, like with my family and connecting up with friends, um, but also connecting with myself. And that might mean making sure I'm connecting with my emotions and knowing how I'm feeling from moment to moment or connecting with myself, um, with my physical needs. You know, am I just needing some sunshine right now? Am I needing to um, go for a walk? Uh, do I need to just sit and rest? Um, connecting with my spiritual self, um, trying to meditate every day if I can, um, and just really trying to listen to that little voice um, each day, like balancing. And, and a lot of it, I think, um, has to do with balancing responsibilities with pleasure sometimes. And so like, you know, let's just say I've, I've seen a bunch of clients. Absolutely. And, yeah, yeah. So let's say I've seen a bunch of clients and I have some notes I need to write, but I also need to eat my lunch. I might check in with myself. I do this every day, kind of check in with myself about like, do I need to just get the notes done mm -hmm. so that I can like just enjoy my lunch and have them taken care of? Or do I need to just stop eat my lunch and come back to my notes. And that's different from day to day. So I have to always be checking in with myself about that, right? And then um, 
you know, just trying to show myself some grace about that. You know, we're not perfect as humans and we're going to not always remember to check in or we're not always going to um, do the thing that we need to do in a given moment. And so just trying to have compassion for myself if I'm not doing that and it's okay. Um, and like I said, making sure I'm eating a lot of chocolate. That's important for my wellness. <laughs> I also am a chocolate lover Absolutely a chocolate lover. And I really love your definition of wellness because I feel like as I've been interviewing a lot of different um, experts in their field, and especially when I talk to different therapists on here, I've just come to realize like how important self-awareness is because truly all of the wellness tools that we get in our bucket, if you're not even aware of what you need in that moment and you're giving yourself something that may not be the most helpful for you at that moment, like, is that really wellness? Is that really filling your cup? And so like the first step is really understanding what am I feeling? What do I need? And so I, I resonated with everything you said. And I love how you just brought in the practicality of life, you know, that a lot of times those moments are wellness of wellness are not when you have an empty schedule and a full day at the spa, but those moments where you can apply wellness in your life or those moments in between clients or in between work and all the other things that you're managing in life, like real wellness is integrated and not separate. So um, that was beautiful. Absolutely. Thank you. Yeah, I know. I really do think it's about those micro decisions, you know? Um, and yeah, like I just, I, I have to do them all the, and it's always changing, right? It might be different from moment to moment that it's not just one set way of doing it or kind of getting it. I mean, routines are important, but also making sure that that thing in that moment is the thing that you need. And it might be different tomorrow at the same time, you know, but just being flexible with that and paying attention. I, I love what you're saying about that awareness. That is just so important. Today's podcast is brought to you by the Premium Center for Regenerative Medicine and Stem Cell Therapy in the Northwest. Northwest Center for Regenerative Medicine. Get back to the activities that you love without needing surgery. You can book your appointment at nwc4rm.com. Again, that's nwc4rm.com. Com. This podcast is also brought to you by Rare Wellness Supplements. You can head over to rareplanethealth.com to get your supplements. My personal favorite is the premium fish oil filled with omega-3s. Again, you can go to rareplanethealth.com and get the supplements that you most need to support your health and wellness today. Lastly, this podcast is also brought to you by Rare Wellness. Rare Wellness is located on the South Hill in Spokane and is one center that provides all the wellness tools that you could need. Whether you're looking for a hands-on, premium, intimate yoga studio with a therapeutic emphasis, bar classes, tai chi classes, if you're looking for skincare treatments, injectable, hydrofacial, microneedling, organic spa treatments, if you're wanting to get therapeutic massaged or book functional medicine appointments to get down to the root cause of your inflammation, Rare Wellness is the place for you. Whatever your wellness needs are, they have it covered. So to book your appointment today, go to rarewellness.com. Again, go to rarewellness.com and mention this podcast for 10% off when you're booking. Okay, time to get back to the episode. So, okay, let's go ahead and dive into it. I know our listeners are, you're listening to this because they're excited to talk about and hear, you know, advice on their journey with love and relationships and exploring sex and pleasure and all of the things in life. So as a therapist and with all of your work experience, can you tell us a little bit of what are some common struggles that you see a lot of couples struggle with in therapy? Okay. So I would say probably the number one thing that people probably almost always say when they come in for couples therapy is that they um, need help with communication. 
That's what they will always say. And I think um, when they say that, oftentimes I'm, I'm guessing what they mean is they need help knowing skills for how to talk to their partner um, or when to talk to their partner about certain things, you know, those practical kinds of things. And I think those are really important um, and they're really useful mm -hmm. tools. But I actually think that what what's really bringing them is something a little bit deeper than that. And that it's that their communication gets out of whack when um, like we all as humans, we have wounds, right. That we bring to our relationships and our lives. Right. And our partners are the best ones at poking at those wounds, right? Not that they do it on purpose. Well, maybe some people might do it on purpose, but um, not always, right? We don't often don't intend to, <laughs> right. right? And um, and those wounds get poked. And when they get poked, we are not at our best. We're not reacting in our most effective, level-headed way. And we have different protective mm -hmm. ways that we might respond. Mm -hmm. And then like communication really does go out the window. And so it's really, I think, more about understanding your own wounds and um, managing those. Then that kind of helps with the communication. Does that make sense what I'm saying? Absolutely. That makes a lot of sense. I, I know from my personal experience, it's really interesting because you know, when you're in the space of your closest relationships, there's a level of vulnerability where you're allowing someone to come in deep. And it's so easy for those wounds to be activated because you're letting someone into that space. And it's so hard, especially when you're letting someone in for the first time to know, like, how do how do I navigate that? And um, I know it, it's interesting. Like, I've, I hear everyone say, oh, communication is so important. It's so important. It's so important. But I love what you said. And I kind of want to ask a little bit more about this. But when you're talking about how healing those wounds for yourself can help you navigate communication, help you navigate relationship. So can we kind of like explore that a little bit more of like when you're talking about childhood wounds, like how how do I how do I even know? Maybe like I'm not self-aware. Maybe I'm just starting my journey with like mental health and relationships. And I'm like, man, like we're always fighting. I, I don't know how to communicate myself. I don't know how to express what I want. Like, how do I, how do I even know where to start when it comes to those things in relationships? Yeah, no, that is a really good question. Um, what would I say about that? I think what I might say is kind of, it goes back to that self-awareness piece and, and starting by noticing are there certain um, themes that keep coming up in your mind that like the things that you say to yourself, like, um, oh, nobody ever listens to me anyway, or um, I'm, I'm doing this all on my own or, you know, s something like that. If there's like a, a mantra that you're not even maybe aware of, but once you start noticing, you're aware of like, oh yeah, like that's a thing that's just always in my mind, or it's like a belief system almost about myself or other people. Um, that might be a place to start that tells you like what those wounds might be. Mm. Yeah. That like playing record, like we all, is this something that everyone has? Does everyone have this voice in their head of like the beliefs that they believe about themselves. Yes, I yes, I think so. I haven't met anyone who doesn't. <laughs> so yeah, I'm gonna say yeah. Yeah. So how do I how do I just I don't know if this question is even relevant, but I guess here's my question to you is like which ones I need to work through and which ones are accurate and which ones Oh right. I know and that is really a tricky thing. Working. Yeah, yeah. That is really a tricky thing because we have those beliefs that 
likely, usually what happens is you, you, you develop these beliefs um, when you're growing up and they help you survive through life. And, and um, we, we bring them with us to relationships. But then what happens is we respond in ways that sort of like confirm these beliefs. Like we might like always just take on something ourselves, let's say, right? And so then everybody in your life isn't doing anything because you're doing all the things, but then you are telling yourself like, yep, see, I'm doing all the things, right? So it's hard because some of it is kind of true, but also like you might've set it up that way without realizing it. So that is a really good question and it is really tricky. So maybe what I would say, it's probably like a little of both. Yeah. So what I'm hearing you say then too is if I, are you saying that basically if I'm able to rewire some of those beliefs, then the patterns that I see in my relationship might change? Yes. Yeah, exactly. It's not easy to do. It's, it's, it feels really scary because it feels like you're taking a risk um, because those ways of behaving um, probably developed for protective reasons. Um, But, um, but yeah, if you're, you're able to take the risk, it, it will change things. Wow. So how do I go about starting to just build some self-awareness of like, what are the things that I'm believing and how are they impacting my relationships? And maybe if some of those are things I want to change, like you mentioned, maybe I take on everything in my relationship or maybe uh, I'm constantly feeling like I need more validation or whatever it is. Like how, how do I go about beginning the cycle we all have these beliefs based off of like what you're sharing with me it's like okay like I have my programming I have my default beliefs about who I am and what kind of love I deserve in relationships or maybe it's just like what I've seen and like how do I how do I even begin the process of identifying those and working through them it's like okay now I've realized I have this root belief that maybe I'm not lovable or maybe I'm whatever it is that I like tell myself how do I st- if the if those things impact my relationship so much how do I start to work through them yeah okay so here's here's what's coming to my mind about that so one is like I was saying trying to be aware or like listen to your thoughts, like trying to be an observer of your thoughts, um, because those might give you clues about what those beliefs are. And again, like I said, if they're consistent thoughts, that's a really good clue that Mm -hmm. it's um, like a belief pattern. Um, Another is um, as uncomfortable as this might be sometimes, but like sometimes your partner gives you clues. Like if they're saying like, oh, why are you always asking for blah, blah, blah? Or why aren't you ever seeing that I'm here for you or whatever it is, right? Like sometimes the things that they say when they're frustrated, I mean, they they might be their own buttons too that got pushed, but also it might be that they are sharing something that's Mm -hmm. useful for you about like, oh, maybe I am actually doing that Mm -hmm. thing that they're saying that I'm doing, which is hard to acknowledge when you're in the moment. Mm -hmm. Um, But maybe afterward to really like reflect on that, like, am I doing that thing? Or like, what was going on? What was driving me? Or like when we got in a fight, what was driving me in that argument? What was I getting really upset about? Mm. And that might give you some clues too. Um, I know a lot of times we want to blame our partners for all the problems in the relationship. Um, (laughs) But um, it's what's really helpful is really looking at ourselves and um, like being curious about what was happening just then? Like, so kind of being a curious observer of yourself is what I would say. And and, well, that's kind of how I would say get started. So, 
Okay, we're talking about holding space and holding curiosity for yourself and both just understanding like what your beliefs are and also like what is your role in what's happening in your relationship. But how do you also hold space for your partner, especially if those conversations can be so uncomfortable when you're arguing with your partner and something comes up that hurts you? Like, how do you how do you begin to hold space for them too? Right. Uh, that's also a really good question. And it's something that's I keep coming back to the word balance too, in my mind when we're talking, you know, balancing your needs for yourself and for your partner. And if, if your partner said or did something that was hurtful to you, that is important that you advocate for yourself about that and not dismiss that. Um, it might mean that you both need to talk later, um, that you're both too kind of amped to be able to have a productive conversation. And so you might, you know, do the proverbial timeout. Um, those can actually be really helpful. Um, and when you can do that and you kind of can, I think, first have space for yourself, um, I think then that puts you in a better position. If you can be in a compassionate spot with yourself about what might be going on, how you might've been hurt, what are your wounds, kind of caring for yourself in that way, then that puts you in a better spot to be able to also be compassionate towards your partner. Well, and I was just thinking as you're talking, like depending on what culture you come from, like if, um, I guess I'll speak from personal experience, but like from a lot of Eastern Europe, a lot of the um, patterns that I've noticed in like relationships are a lot more bottled down or especially like as a woman, like you don't always have a voice or space to like speak up about your needs. Like your role is to take care of everyone else and not yourself. And so I think some of those things can be really hard to start implementing if you come from a place where those patterns were not exemplified for you. Exactly. It's probably hard for you to be able to see it or see that you can take up space in the relationship, but also hard because your partner might not be seeing it that way as well. It might be like an embedded kind of belief um, mm -hmm. among the whole system there. So it can be really um, tricky. Yeah, mm -hmm. I think that's a really good point. So I want to get back to the common struggles that we were talking about that you see in therapy. So you mentioned communication as a major one for couples. Um, and we're going to go into coping skills in a little bit. But are there other common themes that kind of reoccurringly come up for couples who come in and therapy. Yeah. And I would say for me, given that, um, so my, um, area of specialty is helping people with sexual functioning difficulties. And so those would be the other kinds of difficulties that, um, people come in with and, oh, it, it varies. Um, the types of issues, gosh, it really does vary the types of issues that people, um, come in with. So, you know, there might be people that come in with, um, erectile dysfunction or difficulty reaching orgasm, um, or reaching orgasm too quickly and not feeling like they can control it or, um, um, differences in, um, interest in sex. That's another common one. Um, I think those are kind of the main, oh, and pain, like um, unwanted pain with sexual activity. That's another thing that, that. Pain during sex. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So, and, and I feel like this is a topic that is so avoided and so taboo in many cultures and many environments. And so this, let's explore all of this today. Let's go, let's go back first to the communication, come with some coping skills that people can take. And then let's transition into, um, 
things that people can implement into their life to like have healthier sex lives. Maybe we can explore some of those issues and just bring awareness to topics that maybe our listeners at home, maybe sex wasn't talked about much in their house growing up, or maybe they're going through struggles and they don't feel like they have a space to talk about it. So let's go back to that communication piece first. Um, What are some coping skills and maybe tools that you have for people? Um, I know you mentioned earlier even like giving yourself space to calm down during arguments. And like I've heard it uh, explained to me before is like leaving a heated environment when I realize my nervous system is triggered, going to regulate my nervous system and coming back to the conversation from a place where I'm like not triggered. But I want to hear what are some tools that couples who are experiencing I repeated myself a million times, but yeah. Like I got it. <laughs> okay. So yeah, as far as like practical strategies, I would say, yes, timeouts are really great. And, and there are a few things to keep in mind with the timeouts. One is that you need to be clear that you're taking a timeout. Um, sometimes, and I'll do this with my husband sometimes too. Like I'll just decide like I'm getting flooded and I need to walk away. And so it's like, I'll, sometimes I'll just walk away and he'll be like, wait, where are you going? What's happening? You know? And so like, it's important to say, okay, I'm getting flooded. I'm going to take a timeout. And then to let the person know I will be back. Like we will talk about this. And then it's important that you do come back yes. and talk about it so that you don't just sweep it under the rug and use it as an opportunity mm-hmm. to avoid things. So you want to be clear about number one, that you are taking a time out mm-hmm. and that you are coming back and that you make sure to come back. Um, so those would be the tips that I would say about the mm-hmm. timeouts. Yeah. Like, com- cause it's, it's one thing to do it, but if you're not communicating that, it's so easy for the other person on the receiving end to feel confused. Like, did you just, did you just, do you not care? Are you not invested? Are you leaving right in this situation? And so that's, that is such a great tool. Absolutely. Yeah. Yes. Um, are there any other communication tools? Oh, go ahead. Yeah, no, there, there are. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I know. I know. So, um, yes, I, I, as far as other communication tools, I would say one of, one of the other ones that like, um, is so cliche, but it is just also so true. And that is using I statements. Um, And actually, I don't know if you've seen the movie, This is 40, um, but they have a really great scene in there where they are, it's kind of a parody of how people will take the I statement. So I statements are saying how you feel, right? Like I feel blah, 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 right? And and I'll, I'll give you the lowdown mm-hmm. on how to do them properly. Mm-hmm. Um, but like they start out in this movie um, saying like, well, I feel angry that blah, blah, blah. And then it turns into like, well, I feel like you're a big jerk because blah, blah. And like, that's not really how we're going for it here with the I statements. So um, like, that's not a proper I statement. (laughs) Right, right. So the way you can tell that if it's a a proper I statement is that if you're using emotion words, and so you the the trick is you want to say, I feel and you want to fill in the blank with some emotion. And, and if you catch yourself saying, I feel like, or I feel that, it's probably not an, a, an emotion. It's probably more of a thought or an opinion about the person or, or something like that. So um, 
you know, like if you can say, I feel angry or I feel sad or I feel hurt, but saying, I feel like you're not listening to me. That's not really like you might feel that way, but that's not really an I statement. That's kind of like more talking about your partner. Oh, it's still, it's still accusatory of them and their behavior versus yourself and how it's affecting you. Right. Exactly. Exactly. And so if you're in a situation where you feel like your partner is not listening to you, you might say, um, I feel hurt. Um, when I see you turn away when I'm talking or I feel, so you could talk about the behavior, but you need to talk about the behavior and not your interpretation of the behavior. So I feel hurt when you walk away, when I'm talking to you, um, that again, that's a behavior. It's not an interpretation of the behavior. So you can, you can talk about what you're seeing, but again, stick with the emotions and then the behaviors of your partner. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, that makes so much sense. And that's super useful. Good, good. So a um, question about that really quickly is why for, for people who maybe haven't been exposed to I statements before, why, why do I need to, what's the why behind this? Why do I need to use I statements instead of you statements? I love that question. Um, I think there are a couple of reasons why that's important. Um, using I statements Oh, there's so many things I want to say about that. So just <laughs> hang on. Um, so using I statements is really important because number one, you, in order to formulate an I statement, you have to first check in with yourself to know how you're feeling. And that is just so key to all of this. Like we were saying, mm -hmm. self-awareness, right? So you've got to check in with yourself and that is just foundational, right? So, so Assuming you've checked in with yourself, that's good. You figured out how you're feeling. That's also good. Finding a name for it. Like this is not easy stuff. Like it sounds really simple, but it's not easy to do. And so like figuring out how you're feeling and then saying it, it's like, um, it, it's like you owning your own experience. It, it is, um, probably going to feel less adversarial to your partner and also might appeal more to their own sense of compassion toward you rather than defensiveness because they feel attacked. Um, so it helps kind of soften things and helps them to see maybe, maybe the more vulnerable parts of you um, to where that they can really relate with like, Oh, you're feeling hurt. I, I didn't realize that, you know, then they can, the, kind of participate more in um, having compassion for you and what's happening. Absolutely. And I know as well, like if someone comes to, when I've had relationships with loved ones who come to me and the first thing, when I feel like I'm getting attacked, I put my walls up, I get defensive. Right. And so um, I love what you're saying of it keeps it a safer space for the other person to hear. Exactly. What it is that you're really intending to say. I've also noticed, I've also noticed that, um, Sometimes there's what I say, and then there's what I mean to say. Like there's layers to it where I'm like, this is what's bothering me. But in reality, like it was not the fact that like you didn't pick your shirt up or that the try, like it was some, un like it was that I say this is what's bothering me, but there's actually this that's bothering me. And sometimes it takes like quite a few conversations to, for me to even realize, wow, like I'm being I'm angry right now. Why am I angry? It's, is it really what I'm, I don't know if 
if you can take that. Anyway. Yeah, no, I can't. Actually, yeah. I, I was thinking about that as I was sort of yeah. preparing for our conversation. I was just thinking about how that happens so often in my office where couples will come in and they'll say, this is ridiculous that we're fighting about this. And I've heard people talk about like, how to cook a hot dog, that they're fighting about that, or they're fighting about, um, you know, when to take out the recycling <laughs> right. or, you know, making sure to close the wipes warmer or something. Right. And it, it sounds like ridiculous on the surface right. of it, like a ridiculous thing. But like you said, there's usually some deeper thing of, you know, somebody not feeling heard or feeling like mm -hmm. they're what they want doesn't matter or that they have to do all the things or whatever. Like there's some deeper thing. Um, so you're right. It's usually not about the thing that you're fighting about. So we've hit on a couple communication skills and just tools that people can take into those conversations with their partner just to have better communication. And before we move on to talking about sex and intimacy and ways to do that, I wanted to ask if you have practical tips for our listeners, maybe, you know, they're getting ready for Valentine's Day. And maybe this is like a time when people do plan an intentional date, but um, do you have tips maybe for like how often some people have questions like how often should they be doing date nights or what are ways that I can keep the romance alive in my relationship? How can I stay connected, especially once you get past that six month, one year mark? And I think in a culture that sometimes has a tendency to be like, well, we have so many right today, like on dating apps, like you have so many options. It's very easy to be like, okay, I'm done with, I got bored, I'm on to the next. But like for people who are interested in developing longevity in their relationships, like how do you keep, how do you keep love alive? Yeah, oh, that's a really good question. Um, and it, I think, what here's what I'm gonna say about that. I think it comes down to a couple of things. Um, one is, being intentional about it, because I think we can get very distracted by the the daily grind of life and just sort of getting through each day and doing all the things that we're supposed to be doing. And we sort of forget, I think, sometimes about our relationships or nurturing our relationships intentionally. And so I think just having that intentionality is important and like carving out that time, um, maybe even putting it on a calendar or something like that, like that you would put other appointments on a calendar. So like, there, it's totally okay to put an appointment on your calendar for you and your partner, right? So there's, there's that. Um, and then the other thing I would say is checking in with yourself and with your partner about like what works for you guys? And it might be different for everybody. You know, it might be that mm -hmm. some people need something um, once a week. Some people need something maybe once a month. Some people need just a little bit of a check-in with each other each day. Um, but kind of like you can do it a trial and error sort of a thing, like trying it out a certain way and then realizing, you know what, that's really, we feel like we need a little bit more or like, yeah, I think that really does cover it. We're feeling really connected with each other. So, mm -hmm. so not getting too caught up in, numbers about what you think it should be, um, but really noticing what is working for Absolutely. you. And I think this creates, I mean, this requires like shared communication and shared visioning and shared vulnerability because, and self-awareness, right? Going back to what we talked about earlier, because for me and my partner to be able to know like is this working for us? Is this not? What do we want? What makes me feel loved? Like, do I need, do we both it's also been interesting for me to discover like not everyone love, not everyone experiences and expresses and receives loves in the same way. So 
is there, could we touch a little bit maybe on how do I know if like, maybe I'm giving my partner love the way that I think I would want to be loved, but they might need something different. How do I open up those conversations? Um, especially if I'm in a relationship where maybe we haven't made a habit of talking about the things that we need. How do I, if I'm here and I want a healthier relationship, how do I start that conversation with my partner and create space for those communicative experiences to happen? Yeah. Um, I think one really great way to get at that is to ask your partner. And again, not at a time when you're in the middle of the, of a heated discussion or something, but when things are calm and, and, um, you're, comfortable and relaxed and talking, um, maybe just asking like, Hey, what are the times where you have felt really loved? What, what were those things, right? Like what, what really showed you that I loved you? Um, or what would show you that I love you? Mm -hmm. Um, and you know, I, I don't know a ton about, um, you know, like the five love languages. I don't know if that's kind of what you're getting at. I know a little, I know enough to like kind of have a framework for it. And, and I think there is some utility there, yeah. you know, of knowing like some people um, really need those like words of affirmations for some people. It's like taking out the garbage is like, Oh, I love you. And I know you love me when you do that. Or other people, it's like those hugs or kisses or cuddles or whatever. Right. right? Like it's just different. Um, and so knowing that mm -hmm. um, what yours are and what your partners are, yeah, I think that actually can be really helpful. And, and just finding out how, how they feel loved and, and asking yourself that too and, and expressing that. So the other thing that makes, that separates regular friendships from intimate relationships is intimacy, sex, sexual attraction. So can we talk a little bit about what are common struggles that couples have in their relationships and what are some practical things that people can implement to have a healthier and vibrant sex life with their partner? One of the things that I think is the most important thing when talking about sex and, and your, your experience with sex is pleasure. And I think a lot of times, as, I mean, it sounds so obvious when I say it, but I think a lot of times we forget about that and, and we focus on, again, like what we think we should Absolutely. be doing or how we're performing. Um, uh, you know, are we doing things that, um, mm -hmm. I don't know, are attractive to our partner or, or are we, um, satisfying them enough or something like that. We get worried about stuff. We get anxious about all of that. And that gets in the way sometimes of really just focusing on enjoying yourself and enjoying your partner. Mm -hmm. And so that's probably the number one thing that I would say is to focus on pleasure. So do you feel like this also applies outside of your sex life, but just like allowing yourself to feel pleasure in life. Cause it's like, if you're not allowing yourself to feel pleasure in your day-to-day -day activities or make time for things that feel good for you, does that translate to the bedroom? Like, does that make it harder to be open? I don't know. I'm just yeah, curious. I think it, yeah. <laughs> it's a question I have. Yeah, I think it certainly yeah. can. And, and I think um, also I realized, as I was saying, like, it's all about pleasure and that's really important. And it sounds, again, it sounds so simple, um, but it isn't always easy for people. And there might be those like yeah. beliefs that, that they're carrying about themselves or about if it's okay to have pleasure, they might've gotten yeah. messages from their, from their families yeah. or from their culture or from their church or from friends or whatever, right. About that. And so it might make it tricky. 
Can we talk, can we like explore that a little bit? What are some of those beliefs that might be damaging to having a healthy sex life? And can we explore those a little bit? Well, sometimes people have conflict inside themselves about whether or not just sex itself is okay for them. Um, so they might've gotten messages um, again from either their family or their culture or their church or something that said like, it's not okay or it's not okay unless you're married or something like that. And so some ideas can get ingrained or they might've had experiences where they got in trouble for doing something sexual. And so they learned at a really young age that it's not okay. And so they might feel conflict about it, but then also they're human and they have sexual feelings that come up. Um, and so that can be really difficult mm -hmm. sometimes. And so sometimes there's a conflict there. Um, mm -hmm. I'm trying to think of other beliefs. Sometimes people will have beliefs, um, and, and, and I kind of notice different beliefs with different types of problems that people bring. So um, like a lot of times um, women that I've worked with who have um, issues with pain during sexual activity, a lot of times because they've had so many struggles with it and, and a lot of health problems typically that go along with it, they come to sex feeling like they're broken. I, I actually hear that a lot. Like I'm just broken. Like something's just not right with me or it's, I'm not enough of a woman or something like that. Um, and so I've, I've heard those kinds of beliefs. There's, there's a lot of beliefs about the way people think they should be and how they're not measuring up to the ways that they think they should be. So I feel like there's so much we can talk about just within this area, and we may have to do a whole nother episode on this, but a lot of women I know believe that they can't orgasm. What do you have to say to the woman who believes that her body is broken and she can't orgasm? Right. Okay. Um, I would say... Number one, I hope that she can have compassion for herself for whatever it is that she's experiencing. That's the first thing that I want to say. And then the second thing I want to say is that it's possible that she can and that there might be some things just getting in the way of that. Um, I mean, and there might be things that actually make it difficult or not possible. Um, but I think um, and that's, that's, yeah, you're right. I think we could have a whole episode talking about all this. There's so much I want to say, but I, what I was going to say, I know. Um, but um, especially with pain issues, uh, a lot of time and, and orgasm and, and actually any of the issues mm -hmm. there, there are often medical things that might be going on for the person, right. Or medications that they're taking. So like um, a, a lot of common antidepressant medication really does interfere with orgasmic functioning. And so it might be the medication that is, creating a problem. Um, it might be that they don't know what is pleasurable for them. Um, and they haven't really explored that. I've heard a lot of women say that they feel like they get really close, what they think is close, like kind of where you sort of plateau with that feeling. It feels really good. It feels like it's kind of like reached a, a peak, but they are sometimes feeling like they're afraid mm -hmm. to let go. And so it kind of just stops there. Um, so that's something else that I would say happens commonly for people, um, women who um, are saying that they can't orgasm. Before we also go further, I want to I want to go back to something you said earlier. So for the person who grew up with the beliefs that sex is bad or they got in trouble for early sexual experiences or any sort of the things that we mentioned earlier, um, what do you have to say to the person listening who has this 
belief that's been ingrained in them that sex is bad and now they're wanting to experience sexual pleasure in life where do what do they do yeah yeah and i think that is is um it, it can be a process for people to work through especially that stuff those messages that get really ingrained and and a lot of times when they get ingrained in us like that we we hold them because they again like protect us right they help us survive in our whatever environment that we're living in. And so it's hard to let go of them sometimes because it almost feels like you're letting go of survival in, in a, it, that's not maybe in a rational way, but in that deeper emotional way, it feels like that. And so it can be kind of a process of letting go. Um, but I think it helps by starting to identify where those beliefs came from. You know, it might've been a one-time event. It might've been lots of messages all along the way from certain people. Um, and I think just starting there is helpful to know like, oh, that's where this came from so that you can sort of separate it out from yourself a little bit. Back to the self-awareness. Yeah, exactly. Um, and and then yeah. being able to give yourself the opportunity to really ch check in with yourself about is that something that I want to maintain? Is that something I want to change? Are there parts of that I want to maintain, but parts that I want to change? It might not be an all or nothing thing. There might be some parts of those messages that you really mm -hmm. still want to embrace. Um, but kind of having that conscious, like thinking that through about what really does feel aligned with who you are. Yeah. No, that's beautiful. And I feel like so helpful for all this listening. Um, okay. So taking it a step further, um, how can people, we talked about some maybe issues and I feel like we were very focused on women at the beginning, but what are some common issues that maybe men also experience if there's any men listening to this podcast or other problems that couples experience when it comes to sex? Yes. Okay. So a couple of things I will say. So, um, um, yeah, so erectile dysfunction is something that men obviously um, might be struggling with, um, or like I was saying a little bit ago, difficulties with orgasm e or an ejaculation, either it taking feeling like it's taking way too long to get there or not getting there at all, or the opposite, where it's like it's just too quick and they felt like they couldn't control the timing of it, that sort of thing. Those are the common things that come up for men. Um, and then one other thing I would say about common things that come up, especially when couples are coming in, a lot of times um, they'll, the couple will come in where one partner um, is saying that like they have lower desire for sexual activity than, than another partner. And so they're coming in mm -hmm. to try to work through the, libido. yeah, right, right, exactly. And so try to work through that discrepancy there. I would say that's probably one of the other common things that, that people come in with. Oh, there's, I, we really need to do a whole nother topic on this or a whole nother podcast on this, but, um, let's hit on libido really quickly. What are some ways that, um, for both men and women, if you have a lower libido and that's affecting your relationship, what are ways that you can raise your libido and what might be some reasons why your libido might be low? Yes. I think the theme that I'm taking from our conversation today is self-awareness. Like, I just think that's so important because that's where I was going to go again is like, um, yes. you know, making sure like checking in with yourself about like, okay, what, 
what are the things that make my interest in sex higher? What are the things that kind of get in the way? Like, um, and, and everybody's different with, with those kinds of things. Right. But knowing what those are, they, they may be things mm -hmm. that are more practical. Like it's, it's really important that like, um, the room is set up a certain way that we wherever we're going to be having sexual activity or like uh, mm -hmm. there's certain things that, that a person might need for it to feel exciting um, or for certain places on their body that they like to be touched or, you know, something like that. So like, I guess I would say one is figuring out what is actually pleasurable, you know, with regard to your body and with regard to the environment that you're in, um, figuring out what your partner thinks is pleasurable for their bodies and for the environment that they're in. Um, mm -hmm. And then there's sort of like the deeper relational stuff that happens too, that can get in the way. I know one thing that comes up often with couples is pressure, like that feeling of pressure just totally like tanks interest in sex where they're feeling like I have to be interested, but I'm not. And what's wrong with me? And then, Oh, they're going to get upset if we don't. And like that just totally, like you're not going to feel desire that way. Um, so that can be a, a, a real killer of desire. Today's podcast is brought to you by the Premium Center for Regenerative Medicine and Stem Cell Therapy in the Northwest. Northwest Center for Regenerative Medicine. Get back to the activities that you love without needing surgery. You can book your appointment at nwc4rm.com. Again, that's nwc4rm.com. This podcast is also brought to you by Rare Wellness Supplements. You can head over to rareplanethealth.com to get your supplements. My personal favorite is the premium fish oil filled with omega-3s. Again, you can go to rareplanethealth.com and get the supplements that you most need to support your health and wellness today. Lastly, this podcast is also brought to you by Rare Wellness. Rare Wellness is located on the South Hill in Spokane and is one center that provides all the wellness tools that you could need. Whether you're looking for a hands-on premium intimate yoga studio with a therapeutic emphasis, bar classes, Tai Chi classes, if you're looking for skincare treatments, injectable, hydrofacial, microneedling, organic spa treatments, if you're wanting to get therapeutic massage or book functional medicine appointments to get down to the root cause of your inflammation, Rare Wellness is the place for you. Whatever your wellness needs are, they have it covered. So to book your appointment today, go to rarewellness.com. Again, go to rarewellness.com and mention this podcast for 10% off when you're booking. Okay, time to get back to the episode. I want to go back to what you said about self-awareness and how this has been like a common theme through our conversation today, because I think what's interesting is like if we were here talking about uh, just sleep, like how to get more sleep or uh, let me think of a better example, like the the science of nutrition or something that was like very like black and white and like there's like a, which even those things, it's not like there's necessarily like a right answer. But I think when it comes to relationship, when it comes to having a healthy sex life, it's like you said, like there's not the one thing that works for communication for one couple or one person. It's it's not a copy and paste thing for every every couple, exactly. every individual, how, or even like when you're talking about pleasure, how every person experiences pleasure. And I think that complicates it a little bit when we're talking about how to have healthy love and like how to have healthy sex, because I think a lot of times it's so easy to come into it being like, okay, what's the, like, if I go on a date night every Wednesday and I do this exact thing in my routine, like then I have healthy love. And like, I'm hearing you say it's so much more complex than that. It comes down to 
am I in tune with myself? Am I in touch with myself? Is my partner doing the same thing? And I, I think that is so, so valuable and so beautiful how you're talking about like there's many different tools in your toolbox to do that. There's many different ways to do that. But if if I'm not being self which is so counter sorry, I'm like rambling okay, at this point, good, but it's yeah. like I, I'm having this realization that it's like it it's it's kind of counter um to to me it's a little bit counterintuitive because you think, oh, to to love well, I need to be always looking at the other person's needs, right? Which is uh, there's, I'm sure there's some, there is some truth to that, right? But then it, to hear you say to love someone else well, I need to be in tune with my own needs and my own desires. Like that, that is such a beautiful concept and one that I think will, is super helpful. And also, like you said, simpler to talk about than to actually implement. Yes, totally, totally. But yeah, that's exactly right. That yeah. when we are, um, tuned in with ourselves, giving ourselves compassion, then we're getting the compassion that we need in that moment. And then that sets us up to be in a better spot to actually listen to our partner who is also hopefully doing the same thing and they're sharing their vulnerabilities. And so you're both coming to each other from a place of um, authenticity and where you've, you've, um, kind of, how do I want to explain that? Like where you've, shown yourself that love in that moment first so that um, like you feel like you've gotten that little bit of love that you're needing in that moment. And then you can also be there to love your partner as well. Right. Like so that you're, you're getting your needs met and hopefully your partner is too. So good. It's so good because I've, I've also heard it. Um, I've also heard it been said like, it's so much easier to give from a place of love than to expect someone else to fill that hole inside of you. Exactly. And so like what I'm hearing you say is that, you know, if I can and, – and tell me if I'm understanding you correctly, but I'm hearing you say that like if I can come into the situation making sure that my needs are m met and making sure that I am coming from a place of love and I have love to give, like that is – so much easier than coming into it unhappy and being like, if you don't, I, I come in with such high expectations of another human being who has their own needs and their own struggles and like asking them to play, to fill a role. Like that's a big, that's a big ask. And I think a lot of us subconsciously do that in our relationships. Absolutely. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And I think because we're humans, we are going to come up short a lot of the time, right? Like if we were wanting our partner yeah. to fill that hole or that need, right? And so, yeah, I think that is just really important to be there for yeah. yourself in that way. Um, and then that, that's not to say you're not also going to be getting things from each other, but I think you're probably in a better position to Absolutely. get things from each other when you've been able to do that for yourself first. Absolutely. And then being able to give to focus on, am I the partner that I'm also expecting? Because sometimes I think it's really, at least for me personally, it's really easy to look at the people in my life and have the expectation of like, this is how, I, this is the standard that I hold people around me to, which is great, right? But then also asking myself, like, am I looking for ways to intentionally love? Am I looking for ways to to be attuned to their needs as well? Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Dr. Kuffel, I have 
loved our conversation. At the end of each episode, we always ask our guest, what is one practical tip that our listener, if they listen to all of this and you're like, that was great, but I'm only going to apply one thing to my life, what would that one thing be for people to have a healthier love life? Oh, I, it's so hard for me to narrow it down to one thing. I just, I know you were going to ask me that, but then when you said it, I was like, Oh, only one. Um, (laughs) um, I'm going to cheat and say like three things, but I'll try to make it simple. Do it. Say 10 if you need to. (laughs) Okay. So I think, I I guess maybe it's just kind of common. 10 practical tips to end the episode. (laughs) That's right. Um, Maybe, and maybe it's more like summarizing. I know. Maybe it's like summarizing a little bit, like, So number one, yes, I think self-awareness for sure has been a theme of our conversation. And I hope that if nothing else, people take that away from our conversation, just how important that is Mm -hmm. for living life as a human um, and a human in relationships. Like self-awareness is just so important. Um, So that's that's one thing I would say. Um, The other thing that I would say is having compassion for yourself and other people for whatever it is that you're discovering inside mm-hmm. having compassion that, that just, like I said, sets the stage, um, for better things, um, but also decreases anxiety. Like it just helps so much. So I would say that's the, the second thing that I would say. Um, and then the third, again, theme that I think, um, I'm noticing is focusing on pleasure. It just like you were saying in life, not just with sex, but with life in general, I think that's just really important that we keep that in mind and that we're intentional about that being our focus um, in the moments that we're in. I think that's just really important. And I guess maybe I'll say one last thing. And that is um, noticing when you're, you're telling yourself you should be doing something and really checking in about that. Like, is that really what I need? Or is that just like, is that true for me? Really? Um, Mm -hmm. you know, and, and making sure that you are maybe, um, doing what you need or want to do, um, with any of this stuff that we're talking about. And then last, okay, sorry, I told you, yeah, it is almost 10 tips. Okay. okay. And the, 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 the last thing I think that I'll say, okay, I hope so. Um, is, um, with, yeah. with specifically with Valentine's day, I think, um, I, it, it's sort of like, it, it's, it's, it's a couple of things all in one. Like on, on one hand, I think it's really helpful that we have a day out of the year that we devote to acknowledging love, mm-hmm. right? And whether it's love for our partner or love for our friends mm-hmm. or love for our family and our kids, you know, like I think it's just really beautiful that we have this day that we devote to that. And I think that's awesome. And and that that's part of being intentional. Right. But the other thing I'll say about that is that along with that, sometimes comes pressure to do something impressive or do something that's going to be enough or, or whatever. And, um, and again, like I said, pressure can really just take the fun out of stuff. And so the, I guess what I hope people take the pleasure out of life. Yeah, exactly. And so maybe noticing if you're feeling pressure about something and, um, try to reshift your focus to like, what's going to be pleasurable for me today and for me and my partner or me and my friends or um, me and my family, whatever, like what would we just enjoy and how can we enjoy each other today? So that's 
that's it. That it, not quite ten mm -hmm. tips, but almost. So, so good. No, I, um, I feel like this is a conversation that is so important, and relationships, like we said at the beginning, they can be so hard to navigate. And I feel like these tools just help, you know, take something that can seem so abstract and give us a little bit more of just like tips and tricks and tools in our toolbox to live a more pleasurable life, you know, experience the goodness and the beauty that um, life also has to offer along with the hardships and the progress and the work. Like there's this other side that's beautiful as well and be able to coexist. And um, to I, while you were talking, man, I had like a million and one just thoughts went to my head. And so I'm, I'm excited with like my, my personal takeaway that I'm taking from this is like healthier relationships stem and healthier love comes from like a healthier understanding of myself, healing my own wounds. And then I open myself up for better experiences. So like when I am able to like, like just going back to beginning of this episode, like this is making me want to grab my journal, sit down and be like, okay, like what are some of those beliefs that I have that maybe I don't even notice I'm running on this programming, I'm running on this and how are they impacting my experiences? And by healing those, I can open myself up to better experiences. So thank you so much for all of that. That was so helpful. Good. That makes me so yeah. happy. I, 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 I'm so glad to hear that you're taking something tangible from our conversation. And I hope that other people are too. And it really is, it honestly is my pleasure to, to be here sharing this information. And I, and I really do truly hope yeah. it's helpful. Yeah. So if someone is like, I want to book a session with her, I want to learn more. Where can they find you? Are you taking new clients at the moment? Are you not? How can people learn more? Maybe someone's realizing, man, I need more tools. Can we help our listeners out a little bit? Yeah. Okay. So a couple of things that I will say is one is, yeah, sadly, I am not taking new clients right now. I wish I was, but there really is just a need, which hopefully okay. tells people that like they're not alone if they're struggling, because there are lots of people that are wanting help with this. And so so they're not alone. It's very common. So so that's one. Um, but they can go to my website, um, which is stephaniecuffel.com. So that's S-T-E-P-H-A-N-I-E-K-U-F-F-E-L dot com. And um, I do have a little section there that's like got resources. Um, so there are if, if people want to do any reading on their own, um, there's some really great books that I've put on there. I might need to even update that because I think I have some more. Um, but there's just some awesome books there. Um, there's some links to websites that might be educational and informative as well. Um, so there's just a lot of stuff out there, um, but that might be a place to start if they want. That might narrow it down and, and yeah, maybe give them some tools or other resources that might help them with the specific things they might be struggling with. Yeah. Perfect. So guys, we will link that in the description below. So feel free to check that out. Uh, thank you so much, Dr. Couple, for taking your time. Um, and I am really excited. Maybe we'll have to do another episode in the future because uh, this was so helpful, but um, thanks for being on and for everyone listening. Thank you guys so much for being a part of the Rare Wellness family. Um, if you guys don't already, go follow us on Instagram at Rare Wellness Podcast. Send in your questions so we can ask the experts in episodes in the future. And send in your questions specifically on sex and relationships so that 
maybe we can have Dr. Cuffle on again sometime and ask her some of your questions, guys. So be sure to do that. Um, and we'll see you guys next time on the Real Wellness Podcast. Bye. Bye. Thank you.